question to consider this evening is how we can manifest our intention for loving kindness, for care, for goodwill. How we can manifest this in our relationships, in our work, in our lives in the world. The question really is how we connect what we're doing here on retreat with how we live our lives. Recollecting our aspiration to benefit all beings through our practice and repeating and practicing the phrases and feelings of loving-kindness, of metta, of loving wishes, in the stillness of a meditation practice, is tremendously valuable. It really plants some very deep seeds in our minds. But it's also not enough. We need to learn, we need to know how to manifest these intentions, these aspirations in the world. We need to walk the talk of our minds. There's one verse of the Dhammapada, the collection, one of the collections in verse form of the Buddhist teachings, that sum up all 45 years of his teaching in northern India. And it really expresses how action, love, wisdom, compassion are all expressions of each other, are all related to each other. This one verse, which sums it all up, says, refrain from unwholesome actions. Perform wholesome or skillful ones. Purify the mind. This is the teaching of all the Buddhas. Refrain from unskillful actions, perform skillful ones, purify the mind. And the line, this is the teaching of all the Buddhas, really illuminates or points out to us the timelessness of the Dhamma. This is what past Buddhas have taught, it's what Shakyamuni Buddha has taught, it's what future Buddhas will teach. It's the same Dhamma, the same principles of what is true. So to further help us practice this and implement this in our lives, the Buddha pointed out those actions which are unwholesome, which are unskillful, which we should refrain from. He pointed out those actions which cut us off from feelings of love, from feelings of compassion, of caring. He pointed out those actions that cause suffering, both to ourselves and others, and these are the ones that we should refrain from. Our entire spiritual journey rests on the foundation of the morality of non-harming. It is impossible to separate meditative realization from ethical and moral behavior. 
One point when my first teacher, Anagarika Munindra, came to this country, this was uh, in the 70s, in the mid-70s, people were very you know, excited about getting into meditation, but they didn't particularly see the relevance of like the precepts or the moral you know, the teachings on morality. And he said, to practice meditation without a foundation of ethics, of non-harming, is like being in a boat, you know, and rowing and trying to get to the other shore of the river, but never untying the boat from the dock. We could put all of this effort into our practice, but without that foundation of right action, we don't go anyplace. So it's, it's extremely important to, to see this. And I think particularly for us, you know, in times when there are really great cultural changes, great changes in what people value in our society, where there is often an appropriate and skillful questioning of old values, of old norms, particularly in these kinds of times, the importance of personal integrity and personal responsibility, it needs to be re-articulated so that we don't simply get lost in the confusion of our desires, of our impulses. So there's some inner norm of ethical behavior. It said that what most moved the Buddha after his enlightenment to begin teaching was in his viewing or surveying the world, you know, with his eye of wisdom, seeing people who were seeking happiness and yet doing the very things, the very actions that caused suffering out of ignorance. You know, we can see this in ourselves, even when we know what the causes of happiness are. It's like so often we find ourselves doing the very things that bring about suffering. So what are the unwholesome actions that are found in all of the Buddhist traditions? You know, whether it's the Theravada or Mahayana or Vajrayana, this is a foundation understanding common to them all. What are these actions that the Buddha said, wise to refrain from these? They bring about one's own suffering, they bring about the suffering of others. There are ten of them. And there are three bodily actions, four verbal actions, and three actions of mind. And they're all very familiar to us. It's not that there are going to be any big surprises. But it's remembering them in the moment of intention, that's when they have the power. They help us awaken from the sleep, the sleepwalking of habituated action. If we can call these to mind in those moments of intention, before we act. What are the first, the first of these bodily actions? It's very obvious. The Buddha said that we should refrain from killing or harming living beings. 
Now we should refrain, people shouldn't kill each other, shouldn't kill animals for pleasure, for sport, or killing things because we don't like them, we don't like the way they look. I really had a good lesson in this, living in India in, when I was practicing there. We would go up in the hot season to the mountains and uh, just rented this you know, little house where I was practicing. And living there in kind of a country you know, cottage up in the mountains, right in my bedroom, there were these huge, ugly spiders. You know, it's like... <laughs> Oh, like that. They were big. they were big, you know, big and hairy and ugly and I didn't like it. <laughs> but there was also nothing to do about it. I mean, even if I somehow got rid of one or two, they were going to be there. And so even though my instinctive thing was how can I get rid of this? Just due to the circumstances I learned to cohabit and it was fine. You know, once I got over my distaste, it was just the spider was living its life up on the ceiling of the wall and I was living my life down below. <laughs> and it didn't bother me and I didn't bother it. And it was totally fine. There was no problem. Hopefully, you know, you don't you're not going around killing things, but you might remember, you know, in days when you might have, you know, killed insects or killed things you didn't like. It's not, it's not a pleasant feeling. I mean, it's certainly not a pleasant thing, feeling for what's being killed. And it's not a pleasant feeling for us. It's a feeling of separation, of alienation. There's a whole different mental attitude when we can really begin to relate to all living beings from that place of connection, realizing that every living being wants to go on living. So this is, this is, effects a change in how we are in the world. There's a wonderful book which I read many years ago. I don't even know whether it's still in print. It's called Kinship with All Life. And it told of this very extraordinary person who had the ability, somehow he had the sensitivity and the ability to communicate, I guess it was almost telepathically, you know, with animals. And there, there were many stories in the book of, of how this happened and what, uh, what occurred. He, he got to a point, and this is very hard to believe, and sort of... Don't ask questions in the morning about it. <laughs> at least in the book. It, it, he was telling the story of how he telepathically could call a fly, this same fly to land. I don't know how he knew it was the same fly. That's the <laughs> but, you know, with dogs and cats. And, so, and it was really inspiring. Just.